Hey everyone, you're locked into Nobody's Perfect, a place to learn from everyone else's mistakes so you don't make the same ones. Others' missteps are often the best teacher, from executives to job seekers and everyone in between. For localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. This is actually part two of our discussion on gender segregation and the role women play in this topic. Joining me in the studio for the conversation is Lynn Molitor, host of Points of Interest in the World of Employment here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Our expert guest is Matthew Bidwell, Ph.D. and a professor at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Matthew and a colleague actually analyzed data of over 1,200 men and women entering the job market upon completion of an elite MBA program. To get more details on this research and where our discussion began, head over to localjobnetwork.com and find the radio tab near the top of the screen. In the on-demand section, you can find Women's Role in Gender Segregation, Part 1. Here in Part 2, we examine the perceptions, culture, and stereotypes that also contribute to gender segregation as the three of us weave our way through this complicated issue. Matthew Bidwell again joins us from Pennsylvania. And you, uh, Matthew, touched a little bit on that aspect of it, too, um, in terms of just this, it's almost a, a cyclical thing or a circular idea. So, I mean, have you explored or maybe there's been discussion, research in terms of how women can really help to change the the perception and the culture of maybe these particular jobs? I mean, some of it comes from the employers, obviously, or you talked about changing the way they the process is handled or, or some of the ways they train people. But what can women do, in your opinion, to really stop that perception because as you said a woman perceives well that's a man's work so to speak so she doesn't go into it so more women aren't in it and then the next woman comes along it's the same thing how do we stop that cycle or at least limit it a little bit i mean i think you're right part of it is is changing the cycle so hopefully some of these things improve as as you see more women going into them i mean those couplings you know one of the things we found was there was this kind of effect and it's been documented elsewhere i think that um people's beliefs of their own abilities tend to fit gender stereotypes a little bit. So mm. if something is stereotyped as being men's work, women may feel, well, I'd never even get the job. That's not the case in, in our setting. I think mean, you know, actually even talking to organizations in the finance industry, a lot of them are desperate to get to get and retain more women. Right. And so I think, you know, thinking part you know, trying to think a little bit past these stereotypes, taking your own skills seriously and thinking about, you know, just fundamentally what I understand of the job, is it one that I would enjoy and value kind of getting beyond those stereotypes, I think is important. But it's hard. I mean, I think these are pernicious processes. If it, In a funny way, if it's just a problem of discrimination, it's a lot easier to solve. Right. Just sue a bunch of employers and people get the message pretty fast. <laughs> and I think a lot of employers these days are very careful about these sorts of issues. But when it comes to these kind of more complex cultural issues of identification, so changing stereotypes is an awful lot harder. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I had put down the term and, and Lynn actually asked about this too. And it's almost in, in times it's self-perpetuating among women. And, and Lynn brought up in, when I think it was the second presidential debate, a younger woman had asked about this, this similar type of thing about women getting jobs and, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, if you're speaking to a group of women who are going into the workforce, that type of thing, I mean, what sorts of things do you try to tell them to give them confidence? I mean, is it simply don't worry about gender, don't worry about, I mean, because it can be really difficult if you're a female to step into a an office with 50 men kind of thing. I mean, I guess, how do you find that confidence or where do you help them in that regard? Because admittedly, it's got to be a little daunting at times. And again, then that just kind of creates the same problem or issue that there is. 
Yeah, I remember somebody telling me once, it's, it's always the first settler that ends up with an arrow in the back. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's hard to be the first person. I, to be honest, I hear this on the employer side as well, okay. which is, you know, you talk about recruiters being told some groups, they're desperate to bring in women, ethnic minorities and so on, because, you know, everybody there's a white male and they know this is a problem. But to be the first one, you know, the first woman in a white male dominated group, they last about six months hmm. because it's so hard to change what goes on. So it's, um, you know, I think on both sides, making these changes. So, I mean, that said, I mean, if you look at Wall Street these days, it's not like you're ever going to be the, the only woman. You're, you're very rarely going to be the only wo- woman in the room. Mm. Most of these banks are recruiting some women, just many fewer than they are men. And so, you know, I think a lot of these, you know, again, the stuff that, that worked in Hollywood of really being the first woman in the profession, everybody's shocked. Most of those barriers have been broken these days, I think. But still, I think it still is often less comfortable. Linda and I were talking about that beforehand, that it, I mean, it truly is a process. I mean, it's not something that's ever going to happen overnight. And we were even discussing how, you know, the United States as a whole is relatively young when you, in terms of the rest of the countries in the world, and uh, but still seemingly progressive. I do feel, and, and I think in talking to Lynn and some of the people around here that there is that progress in terms of gender segregation or, or however you, you know, anyone else would want to deem it. Do you see it as employers? Like you said they're very careful with this kind of thing, obviously. Do you see it where they, in general, they are looking, as you mentioned, to get more women in, but not only that, why? Why is it so important to get away from that segregation if it is even just to get more bodies in, more talent in? It just happens that they're female as opposed to male. I should be careful here. I mean, I think it varies across sectors and so sure. on. But certainly in the kind of, you know, the, the high-skilled finance jobs and so on, you know, I do talk to employers who are very serious about this. I think that there are two factors at play here. You know, one is that I hear companies say, look, you know, our clients are not all white males. Mm-hmm. We have to look like our clients, that we we need to have a more diverse group if we're going to effectively serve organizations that are themselves more diverse and so i think you know th- there often is a recognition that these days it almost starts to look rather backwards if you're not at least somewhat diverse and so i think hmm. employers are, are very conscious of that it's also i think just about if you're missing out on women you're missing out on half the half the qualified workforce and that's actually rather more these days yeah i was gonna say yeah more, more than to college than men <laughs> we're outnumbered um, matthew yeah <laughs> increasingly so um <laughs> so that's a big problem and i think it plays out in a couple you know our research looked at this kind of first stage of entering the job right but then there's a second stage of exit as well and in a lot of these jobs i think employers have big problems with you know what will we make a big effort to hire people but then you know often the women are the ones who disproportionately are not staying for various reasons and that's that's a problem as well so it's not just you know making sure that we get the best people making sure that we can hang on to them as well it does create i think quite a serious business case for um for doing something around making sure we can attract and hang on to women mm-hmm. that's interesting you should say that because i know i worked with a number of women and you know they were like you know we were really kind of pushing and rooting for them and then um their lives their the priorities in their lives changed and then they left a lot of investment was put into their careers and um then it was like, okay, well, we better start, uh, you know, recruiting someone else to take their place. And Matthew, you brought up a point earlier too, or just briefly there, that tapping into the talent 
in terms of, you know, it's even more than half of the population that you'd be essentially cutting out. And I always, I tend to relate things to baseball, uh, one of my passions in that, you know, <laughs> before African-Americans were allowed into Major League Baseball, I mean, you just had so many talented people that weren't there. It, was, it seemed foolish to not try to find those people. So in this case, do you see issues with maybe some businesses, companies that the reason they are struggling or that, you know, there's a lot of complaints about not finding capable people or people with the right skills, that it's they're not open to really reaching out to women or or that's maybe where the gap is because women aren't necessarily applying to those jobs or or that plays a bigger factor than people want to admit, the, the idea of gender segregation. I mean, I haven't come across companies that, that really feel they're, they're in massive trouble because of that. And that, that may partly reflect the economy where... Um, Sadly, it's, yeah. um, it's right. easier to find qualified workers than it used to be. I mean, there are there are some examples. There's a nice example of um, of this going on in Korea. Um, so you, know, you mentioned that the U.S. is we like to think of as fairly progressive. I mean, I think it is compared to Korea, where historically it was very hard for um, talented women to find good jobs and move up the corporate ladder. There are case studies of how multinational firms actually found that was a real advantage in moving into Korea, that they, you know, they really could get much better people um, than the local firms because they were willing to go out and hire the, the very talented women who the local firms were overlooking. And so you know, there are some nice examples of being, this being used as a real source of competitive advantage. I, I haven't seen those examples so much in the US, hmm. I guess, because I think there's been enough attention to this that while there are still problems, you don't see many companies that kind of you know actively as hostile to, to hiring women as, as you saw overseas. Right. I just wanted to ask a question because I don't know how much time we have, but <laughs> you know I appreciated your uh, explanation of gender segregation. I think a lot of times when we hear women aren't getting paid the same as men, that's such a, a brief comment and open for interpretation. But I think a lot of people interpret it as men and women doing the, the same job aren't getting paid the same. Did your studies look into that at all? So we didn't see much of that in this setting, but I think it is true. So like I say, I think there's about a 20% gap. I hope I've got my numbers right between the pay of men and women. Yeah. My understanding is about half of that is explained by the different jobs that they go into. Um, oh, Okay. So I think even when you account for some of the segregation, there's still a gap. Like I say, there are some people who argue that women's jobs are paid less than similar men's jobs because they're women's jobs. So, you know, even the fact that people are sorting into different jobs, there may still be some discrimination there. And I think the other thing that I should make clear here as well, because it, it upsets some people over time, in our sample, we didn't find that women are slightly to get the jobs once they applied to them. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning this question about generalizing, and I would hate to generalize that as a, as a general phenomenon in the workforce. So we don't find much evidence of discrimination here, but you know, I wouldn't take this and therefore say, well, given that we didn't find it in this one sample, therefore it's not a problem. You know, it may well be a huge problem in many other sectors of the labor market. That sounds fair. I mean, we tend to, I think that's where a lot of people, you know, they hear one comment or sentence and then they generalize and jump and so that I'm glad you clarified that for us. I mean it's a little bit along those lines Matthew when you talk about um, the role that women play when they're applying for a job or don't apply for a job in that case but uh, do you have any suggestions or th- ideas of what employers could do to 
do a better job of reaching out and, and going to get that talent, especially maybe it's a typically stereotypical male-dominated type business or industry. I mean, what can employers do to help eliminate maybe some of those perceptions and, and more so welcome women in or at least give them give them the thought like, hey, at least apply because you do have the skills. Because you said in, in this sample you guys did, when they did apply, they are just as likely to get the job. The way that we kind of structured our study and the way that we thought about this was often people are starting to think about what kind of job do I want? Mm -hmm. And then given that I want that kind of job, what kind of company shall I apply to? Which is probably a reasonable approximation of how a lot of people think about this. The problem is if that's how you're going at it, then you know a lot of your decisions are being shaped by broader perceptions of what jobs involve rather than what any single employer is doing. And mm -hmm. so you might want to portray yourself as a, you know, as a kind of gender balanced, progressive employer where it's, you know, it's great to be of either gender and work family balance is good and all those sorts of things. But people may not even get to that point because they've already ruled out that occupation. And so I think there is a risk that, that this is something that actually is not easy for any single employer to do. Right. That said, you know, if we think that some of this is about stereotypes, it is possible that a lot of the, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we think of as kind of fairly superficial in terms of, well, let's make sure all the brochures have a bunch of women in them. And whenever we go and do these <laughs> right, right. presentations of our company, let's <laughs> Does that work? make Does sure that work? we have a bunch of women there. <laughs> it's possible that that has an effect. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, particularly to do with, you know, I think some of the issues around work-life balance are actually quite hard to solve in the, Ultimately, it does come down to how we organize the work and how we um, and how we reward people. And I think, you know, there are a lot of organizations where with relatively where we could organize the work very efficiently in ways to be much more consistent with people's work life balance. But it would involve major cultural upheaval mm -hmm. and how much employers are willing to make those changes. yet, I'm not sure. And I think, as you mentioned, too, that. Uh, as big an issue possibly, especially in some of these businesses, is retaining the women versus just getting them in there. As you said, maybe these photos on brochures and whatnot of, you know, look, yeah, we have women here, it gets them in. But then if the culture is no different, that's when they leave. So, I, I mean, again, we're talking with this sample that you guys researched and, and we're speaking in generalities, but uh, as with anything, it's it's just a much bigger process and probably more complicated than people want to admit at times, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's my takeaway. I mean, there was a kind of, you know, it's not clear if this is a good news or a bad newspaper. It's like, good right. news, a lot of this doesn't seem to be discrimination. <laughs> bad news, a lot of these problems are probably much harder to solve. Right, right. Well, I mean, we are getting a little long time, but I did want to ask just one more thing. In terms of, again, we talk about you know, how can women not fall into this trap, so to speak, or, or you know, someone like Lynn who just, I'm, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be good at it. You know, obviously, that's probably the most ideal mentality you can have. But in terms of if you're looking at skills or traits, are there certain ones that you would have women maybe look to try to make themselves more marketable, especially if it's a perceived masculine position? Or does that really just keep that cycle going that, yeah, even if you're a woman, you can be in this, but you need to act more like a guy? I mean, where's kind of the balance there? Because I think we do see that when we're trying to figure out how women are different than men or how men act differently than women. It seems like there's a balance between being yourself and trying to be something to fit a job. I guess what's kind of your take with that? I'm not sure. I mean, again, a lot of the stuff that we found in this study was, you know, less about people needing to look more masculine or more feminine for certain kinds of jobs mm -hmm. and more about you know, where they felt they would be comfortable, what 
what suited them. And so, yeah, it's not clear that there was kind of a, a clear need to, to be different. I think it is more a case of being open-minded about where you might feel comfortable, what, what range of positions might also kind of fit you know, your broader goals of who you want to be. You know, if there's any lesson, it's possible that it's there. But again, I, I'm going to hedge quite carefully here. <laughs> no problem. Um, I understand. <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, I, these are complex issues. Right. Some people think some of it's genetic. I think there's probably more evidence that much more of it is around culture and stereotypes. But they're, they're pretty deeply seated. Mm-hmm. I'll just say to the listeners out there who may be women, we can do it. We can do anything. <laughs> We're the best multitaskers. So <laughs> just words of encouragement to anyone thinking about what career to go into. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not going to punctuate that with anything. So uh, (laughs) that will do it for us today here on Nobody's Perfect. Uh, Thank you once again to Matthew Bidwell, professor at the Wharton School of Business, for, of course, giving us his thoughts and insight on this, as we've talked about, complicated topic. Uh, Matthew, again, we appreciate you coming on. Where can people, again, find out about you and some of the work you've done? Um, So the easiest thing is just to Google me. Um, If you Google Matthew Bidwell, um, there is a website with all my research on it. Great. Again, thank you uh, so much for coming on today. Yeah, it was. Thank you. It was very enjoyable talking with you today. And uh, Lynn, a special thanks to you as well. Lynn Molitor, again, host of our Points of Interest in the World of Employment here on localjobnetwork.com radio. We uh, also appreciate your insight and uh, a little different perspective, obviously, than Matthew and I have. I hope you come and visit my show sometime, Tim. I would love to, Lynn. Thank you. (laughs) And of course, for all you listening, please keep checking into localjobnetwork.com radio to continue this learning process that we're all experiencing. If you have comments or suggestions, email us at ljanradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step. (laughs) 